Welcome, everyone, to another curious episode of Wicked Curious Radio. I am your mystery maven, Roxy Zwicker from New England Curiosities, here with you as your guide to the other side this Halloween week, where we cover all things haunted, ghostly, Mm -hmm. and macabre. And I am feeling a bit like a zombie today as we sit here. <laughs> it's almost over. Uh, I got two weeks t- to go at this pace because mm-hmm. we got to go through this yeah. week and then next week and then things should return somewhat to uh, I guess as normal as, as it can for me doing what I do. Yeah. So um, you may have missed me last week but uh, you would not have really been able to hear me that well. <laughs> so um We've come back this week to enchant you with um, some stories about spiritualism and kind of uh, some of the more notable people that you might not know about here in New England. And of course, a few ghost stories along the way, but we'll get you guys caught up with kind of what's been going on with New England Curiosities over the past couple of weeks. Um, Lots of talks, lots of tours, lots of people. Um, Saturday, we did six tours back-to-back, so we toured from um, wow. pretty much 11 to 11. Wow. So it was, yeah, it was a, it was a day. And we will um, we'll give a, a shout-out to Ken, who uh, drove five of those trolleys that day. I had uh, five trolley tours and one walking tour that day. So wow. um, he's he's convalescing right now. On in, top in, of all of his other work. In, in between his, his usual work, which... Um, which I totally appreciate. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a, a little bit crazy, to say the least. Uh, it, I think it's just um, it's just incredible, the volume of people that we've seen this year. I mean, this by far has been our, mm-hmm. our busiest season uh, for the 18 years that we've been doing this. And there's just, there's, um, there's, there's no more time to add anything else on to our yeah. schedule. It's, it's absolutely crazy. And um, the weather on Sunday definitely presented its uh, host of problems for God, us as yes. well. Yeah. Um, and it's it's always it's always the weekend right before Halloween. It gets a little bit crazy with the weather. So, um, so I am I'm here. I'm breathing. I'm zombified. <laughs> um, so, uh, so uh, somehow we're making this all happen. Trying and to tell a different story. Huh? Somewhere, somewhere along the line, I keep hearing the same like yeah. six or seven in my head all the time now. It's, uh, but yes, I figured today we would tell some different stories and of course get everybody excited for Halloween. Although I just saw the forecast and it looks like it's going to rain um but that's all right because portsmouth halloween parade goes on no matter what and if you have not been to the portsmouth halloween parade you really owe it to yourself to see um the people's parade and that will be of course on halloween night that is when we do our halloween haunted walking tour so we end the walking tour as we merge with the portsmouth halloween parade which is Mm -hmm. really a lot of fun so um, that's coming up a little bit later this week, and on oh, Friday. So you time it so you end up in the parade or at the parade. We we end up if if our guests want to walk in the parade, they can. Nice. Um, which is really super fun. We come around the corner, we watch the parade come up the street, and then I just release everybody into the parade or onto the sidelines <laughs> if they want to watch it. And do we people, always encourage people to come in costume so they can walk right in. I was right going to say, I have to ask now, do people mm-hmm. come in costume for your tours? They do. Um, and we actually saw quite a lot of it uh, this past weekend. Um, it, it's, it's funny, we've, we've seen a, a lot of older folks dressed in costumes. Um, older folks by like people my age. Yeah. <laughs> which is really super fun. As uh, opposed to kids. As opposed to kids exactly so it's really super fun to have those folks join us on the tours and it just adds like a a whole nother level of fun and um last weekend and i think this weekend i'll have to double check i think it's this weekend too um 
Strawberry Bank does Ghosts on the Bank. So you've got all the kids and their parents walking around Portsmouth all, you know, dressed up for the seas. And then you've got our ghost tour. So it's just it's just a fun, festive atmosphere, as nice. it were. And um, Friday is our investigation sold out at the South Meeting House, yes. and Ghost Project. And um, I hear from this morning show, Ghost Did Chronicles you say Morning. People? You can put uh, yeah, we got fifty people. Wow. Yep. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great night. Should add a second show. The way things are going. Oh, probably not the same <laughs> night. Um, we we actually are, uh, are thinking about doing another one. Um, you know, maybe in another month or so. We'll uh, we'll see. Once things start to move towards the holidays, it gets kind of crazy because then we're switching to the holiday trolley tour and, and other things that are happening. But um, I. I was kind of surprised to uh, hear say this morning that um, Ron is going to do some sort of uh, ghost spell for the Wing Ghost Project. A spell? Yeah, he's going oh, to do Oh, the photography spell. Yeah, he's going to do the ghost photography spell. So so maybe you can get in the picture with a ghost. Yeah, so I, I haven't heard... Um, That's all uh, the rage uh, these days, right? It, it, well, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, selfie with a ghost, Selfie I guess. with a ghost. Yep. And uh, he said he's done it before. I've never seen him do it, so I'm kind of excited to see what that brings. Yeah. And That's I will... he described it as a witch's spell that will help encourage a spirit to photobomb. I, I, I guess so. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. And he said he actually has to bring some items to yeah. facilitate that to happen. Mm-hmm. So I can, you know, only imagine what he's bringing besides a camera to uh, lure the ghost out for a photo op. We'll have to see what that is. Um, and I'm going to try to, besides see who the spirits of the South Meeting House are, see who walked in with our tour guests because we have so many people that are there. And it is, um, you know, All Souls Day, November 1st. Yeah. And, um, you know, the technically it's still kind of Samhain. Uh, so it's, you know, that still, time where the veil is thin. Still what? Samhain. Samhain? Mm-hmm. What's Samhain? So Samhain uh, means it translates to summer's end. So it is okay. uh, the pagan Halloween. So it's the final harvest where, um, you know, you're bringing everything in. And yep. it's, you know, all the rites and rituals of spirit communication and honoring the ancestors. So um, it's, you know, Halloween, Samhain, All mm-hmm. Souls Day, they all kind of wrap okay. up in one there. Yep. So it's a it's a time when we think about people that have passed. So I'm going to see besides who's at the building, which it's, is pretty uh, active. You describe it as the pagan word for the end of the harvest. Yep, yep. So, 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 sow and so, sow, summer's end. Yep. Yep. So, should be an interesting time. We'll see what happens. I'll have a full report next week. We'll see uh, what spirits come out, whether they're with our guests or with the building. It should be interesting. (laughs) Any um, photos? And uh, yes, if there are any photos, we will definitely bring those (laughs) along. Although, I'm thinking we should probably do some spoon bending also after our last conversation here. (laughs) Yes. Because we haven't had had you bend some spoons there, Lou. I haven't successfully bent a spoon. We're going to have to bring in some more bent spoons to to lure you into maybe trying it again. Yeah. Oh, I. I want to try it's something I want to accomplish, but gotta do it. Apparently, gotta get in the right frame of mind, and I'm having trouble getting in the right frame of mind. Well, but for any any, I find anything that you're doing with spirit, you have to get right. into the right frame of mind. So, I just haven't gotten into that frame of mind yet. Yeah, I, well, controlling your mind is a struggle, right? I mean, it's, it it's is, something you have to practice, and something you have mm-hmm. to, yeah. That's that's the game these days, isn't it? It is, and the it, ability to um, modulate your attention. Well, and it's it. A lot of it is always about awareness. You know, eighty thousand thoughts just trying to cram its way through every day, and yep. you know, being mindful and paying attention to where your energy is going and what thoughts you're letting in is is right. a lot of that. And it took it even took me a few minutes to learn how to do it, but um, you can do it. Yeah. It can be done. I saw it. We did it. We did it live on the air. Mm-hmm. 
and and like I said, I'm here to you know I'm the house skeptic, but uh, I'm here to tell you the spoons bent. we used, they bent, and it's it wasn't a trick. No one, Mm-mm. no. So we will um, we will revisit that. That might be. A- I'm willing to bet. In fact, the spoon I have here, I have it right here. I kept it. I have we have evidence. Souvenir. There's yeah. the evidence. I'm I'm telling you, you could not on a bet bend, bend this thing back. I mean, no. if someone wanted just to do it physically. Yeah. 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 They're they're pretty hefty spoons there. Yeah. So um, I I don't know. It's something something I might think about for you know a future workshop is is trying to teach people how to do that. And um, of course, some of the other trappings of spiritualism, you know, like the table tippings. And of course, I already teach people how to read tea leaves and tarot cards and some of the other things that you can do. But but as I described to you in the previous show when we were doing Ghost Chronicles with Veron, for me, that's a crack in the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can do that, mm-hmm. if you have this power that is left untapped. What else is out there that we're not we're not tapping into? There's quite a lot. Yeah. So it, all it takes for a lot of people, it just takes that point of entry to get in there, and then they'll start exploring and realize, you know, what the potential there is out there to do things. Well, people look at spoon bending. There are certain things in in your industry, mm-hmm. and it's like I live in Newburyport, and there's this woman who's always got posters up around this type of thing, mm. and there's a certain eye roll with it, right? With spoon bending, it's, you know, it's a parlor trick. Right. Yeah. True. There are certain things in the industry that are just considered parlor tricks. Mm-hmm. But no, this was this was legitimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And and it's it's so funny to try to to prove these things to people, and and at least with spoon bending, you have something physical that you can touch and see. But when it comes to, you know, trying to explain about sphere communication or right. any other thing, um, people need that that tool or that something that they can see. And I mean, that's, you know, that's the whole reason why we have, you know, spirit boards and pendulums and crystal balls and yeah. all of that. So we can actually conjure up the spirit so you can see or experience something. They also work as those things work as fulcrums for what we were talking about, about uh, attenuating your attention. True. Right. It's a, it's a mechanism for you to get your thoughts aligned mm-hmm. in a certain way mm-hmm. so that you're open to these types of things, right? Right. So you have the, the quiet mind, you have the awareness, you have the focus, mm-hmm. um, and and probably more of a belief in that moment than you might normally because you you actually have a tool that you're using and, and you're yeah. watching and trying to see what's going to happen. And if and you focus on that tool, by definition, the noise floor around you comes down, mm-hmm. which is the state you're trying to be in, right? To, to, to lower all the outside noise. Mm-hmm. So you need something to grab your attention, whether it's a, you know, divining rod or a crystal ball or mm-hmm. tarot cards or mm-hmm. yeah Tr- true enough so yeah. that's why so i like all that stuff i mean yeah. i have all that stuff i love all that stuff and i mean i found you know over the years when i'm teaching people that not everybody is going to gravitate to each object like you know some people they just they can't get scrying mirrors they can't get crystal balls some people don't want to use spirit boards so you know it, it's not everything for all people so it's kind of nice to explore all of the different things that are out there you know whether it's spoon bending or table right. tipping or all the things that you can do yep. so you can find the one that kind of works for you or the one that you might have the most belief in but something like what we did the demonstration like i said it was the crack in the door and it makes you curious about what your capabilities are mm-hmm. You know, because you're not sure any of this stuff is real. And then mm-hmm. you see something, you see a manifestation of it, and you go, oh, you know, so if I could mm-hmm. harness that, you know, what else can I do with it? That's right. Yeah. It's kind of open What up else that am door. I capable of? That's and right. And you get encouraged to pursue it a little bit. And and, and encouragement is, is one of 
the things that I always try to focus on with people, whether we're you know, we're out on a ghost tour or we're doing a workshop is, you know, don't just explore this for the now, for the moment, but take it and keep working on it and see where you can go with that. And um, trying to get people excited about things like that is like always the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So let us jump into um, this is a this is a newer presentation that um, I had actually done uh, last week over in Laconia. And they had given me a call uh, somewhere around the beginning of the summer, and they said, do you know anybody that could talk on spiritualism? And, of course, I, like I just mentioned, I use a lot of the tools of spiritualism and had heard stories about people, particularly um, in New Hampshire from back in the 19th century, who were spiritualists. And then trying to think about what's happening with spiritualism today and and what's happening um you know as far as churches and places to go and camps and meetings and it's all still out there as it was back in the day but you don't tend to hear an awful lot about it and i found when i went to do the talk in laconia i had mentioned some people who were in the area back in the 19th century who were fairly famous from new hampshire and nobody had heard about them yet they had helped out in police cases a statue had been put up of one woman fairly recently just a few years ago really and people had no idea who these people were so it's kind of you know think of it at the time in the 19th century these people had a following they were lecturing to thousands of people and they just kind of fell off the radar Hmm. and um, that was kind of part of the reason of doing this presentation was to bring their stories back and to show how closely they were really woven into the community and then again like I just mentioned some of the tools that were out there that they could use so um, I know you're, you're already looking like alright so the spiritualism thing like what is it all about yeah and well and it, it's just the, the boundaries of what we're talking about because spiritualism the word is used in a n- number of different ways and I wonder if they overlap Spiritualism, religious spiritualism, have to do with spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, spiritualism in terms of um, mental philosophy. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was the, the interesting thing about spiritualism when it came about, it came at the right time because we were, we were going through the Civil War. We had just gone through a time called the Great Awakening, where death wasn't anything to be afraid of anymore. You know, we we had come out of the 1700s very fearful of death, and you can still see that. You know, when you look at the gravestones and the cemeteries, with you know the skulls and just the stark things that were in there that were trying to you know prompt you to think about your death. Yeah. Whereas death now, as we moved into the early 1800s, was more of a belief that you would be reunited with your loved ones that had gone off to the right. other side. And we started seeing statuary of people who had passed. We started seeing angels in the graveyards. And that was something that you would just not find in colonial England because we were, you know, all about the hellfire and brimstone preachings back in the day. There was there was no heaven. It was all about hell. So as belief systems started to change and the belief in that you could sit and have, you know, a seance on Saturday night and still go to church on Sunday Mm. and God was okay with that. That was very appealing for people who were trying to find answers. And, and particularly again, considering the climate of, of the civil war, these people who had lost family members, never heard from them again and, and trying to figure out what had happened. So you had part of that climate working in there. Seeking closure. Absolutely. And then throw in on top of that, Abraham Lincoln's wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, who was holding seances at the White House to communicate with her 11-year-old son, Willie, who had passed away. So her issues around that, her time as First Lady, they were well-known at the time? 
I know we know about them now, but... They were very well known at the time. So if she held a seance in the White House, people knew about it. She did, and in fact, a lot of people would attend these seances to talk about, you know, was she really crazy or was there something to it? And people were coming back and reporting that, you know, it, it was a real seance, that the experiences that people were having were legitimate. And I think part of the reason why people were going and reporting on that is because her oldest son tried to have her committed Yes. for having seances in there. So it was up to her to prove that, you know, this was this was a real thing. And uh, there, were, there was so much commentary how immediately she had gotten in touch with Willie and the medium had said, you know, he's, he's here in the room and this is what he has to say. And allegedly things that only her and him would have known about had come forward about that. Yeah. So Where I think, are we in the Great Awakening, which I wasn't aware of was a thing at this point? Did that start after this? After the Civil War, so, we're at the very beginnings of it. Yeah. The Great Awakening was about 1780, okay. depending on where you were in, you know, in New England, um, and and that was kind of the shift. By about 1820, the Great Awakening had had really taken hold and and started to open up the times for you know the beliefs in the Victorian era, and then of course as people were coming over um, from Europe, they were bringing their beliefs on top of that. So is this a transition between Puritanism and whatever mm-hmm. the religious form yes. was predominant in the country? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Something so, that wasn't Puritanism, Christianity. Yeah, yeah you could look at it as more as yeah. as Christianity because there was a, a belief that you know God wasn't vengeful. Yeah. As as it was truly believed, you know, again, you know, the pains of death count every second, every minute of every day. And now death, you could you could be with those that you had loved. And that was something that just wasn't talked right. about. Yeah. And, and like I said, you really saw that shift in in the cemeteries. And I think sometimes people don't realize that, you know, we went from burying grounds where you would just put people in rows with, you know, frightening yep. gravestones to garden style cemeteries with statuaries and paths. And they were encouraged having that a you different relationship with afterlife. Right. Yeah. So you would sit with those who had passed. Um, and there's just, there's, there's so many great monuments and, and statues that are of that spiritualist time frame, particularly of children mm-hmm. that are out there in the cemeteries, um, which really, when you look at them, you know, it's like bringing them back to life. Like you would never right. have done that in colonial England. So, you know, think about, you know, Mary Todd Lincoln. She is trying to communicate with her 11-year-old son. And and meanwhile, people are thinking to themselves, well, you know, if, if they had any sort of status, that they could recreate their children in stone. And now when they went to the graveyard, it was like they were they were looking right at them and they had brought them to life. And it's... To me, it would have been such an interesting time to be alive to see that shift yeah. over that span of 30 or 40 years where, you know, now we've gone from being afraid of death to resurrecting our dead in statue form. This is in the midst of that, so there's going to be some polarization in terms of the reaction to what she was doing, right? Her son being an example oh, yeah, her, on the other side. Yeah, yeah, her son thought she was absolutely insane, mm-hmm. and, and she was doing her best to, to prove that this was a real thing. So I think the timing was just so right for that movement to come. And it's interesting, while, while we look at that particular time frame, there is one story that comes from 1799 that 
is just on the fringe of this that a lot of people believe is one of the reasons why the spiritualist movement had taken hold. Some people call it um, one of New England's original hauntings, but some people call it the, uh, the roots of spiritualism. And I'm actually very lucky to know uh, one of the descendants from this family oh, who is going to bring me to the site next year where they used to have um, in the basement of this house this spiritualist gathering and the site is actually said to be haunted it's up in um, it's up in Maine and I'm going to give you a few uh, details of, of the story here so um, like I say it was 1799 and it was the story of Nellie Butler she had died um, in 1796 and right away it was written about to document and to legitimize the spirit communication that was happening. And when I look at this particular story, you had 31 people who had said that they had attended her, I guess, speaking from beyond the grave and making predictions as well from beyond the grave. 31 people who said they witnessed it and they all listed the communications that they had with her and it was published in a book. Mm -hmm. So when I start thinking about how even in that case they were trying to document it, again, trying to prove these things. The book was called um, Immortality Proved by the Testimony of Sense in which is considered the doctrine of specters and the existence of a particular specter. Hmm. And um, it was written about by the Reverend Abram Cummings. So here we have, you know, a minister. Um, and he believed that the, the spirit of Nellie was a spirit that was sent from heaven. Had that been, you know, 40, 50 years earlier, I, I mean, you, you can't even imagine. Like, he would have been run out of, out of town completely. Right. So the way— she was a demon. She's coming back. She's— Well, and, yeah. and, that's, and that's what's amazing about the story is depending on, um, you know, who you look at that was describing this event, a lot of them said that they were actually talking to the devil— However, there were other people in town who said, you know, that just was impossible. So I'm, I'm going to give you just a, a few little details of uh, the story word for word here. So at first, the apparition was a mere mass of light, then grew into personal form as about as tall as myself, testified Mary Gordon, who was a resident of the town. It's the town of Sullivan, Maine. Mm -hmm. And we stood in two ranks, about four or five feet apart. Between these ranks, she slowly passed and repassed so that any of us could have handled her. At least the personal form sometimes became shapeless and expanded in every way and then vanished in a moment. So, so many people described seeing the same thing, getting a message that it really gave, you know, some yeah. legs to this story. And when we look back at... It wasn't some guy wandering in the woods right. telling a story. Right. Well, we've got those two, yeah. but, but not in this particular yeah. instance. Um, and what's amazing about the story, and then, you know, of course, we'll have to go down the road of controversy, is that her ghost actually advised the marriage um, of, of her husband to another woman. Oh, so now you've got this, you know, this interesting twist in there, and that's, you know, where people said, well, yeah. you know, it's got to be the devil, you know, speaking from the other side. Um, so the story begins uh, in the Blaisdell House near the shores of Taunton Bay. So um, I actually know one of the descendants, which is really super cool. I can't wait to check it out. <laughs> um, the ghost appeared to be the spirit of Nellie the Butler. The house is still held by the family? Uh, the property is, is still held nice. by the family, yeah. although the, the house is gone and there's two cellar holes out oh, in the okay. woods. Yep. But they're all still intact. Yep. Um, so she sought to orchestrate uh, the marriage of her former husband, um, 
And testimonies from both families said that the spirit was relentless, visiting people multiple times and wow. answering lots of personal questions to prove who it was. So she had prophesied that uh, in 1800, Lydia and George, the two people she had said, you know, this is the woman that she said was going to marry her husband, mm-hmm. were married on Butler Point. And the next day, the ghost appeared and said that she would bear one child and die soon after. Mm. And the prophecy came true wow. 10 months later. So some people thought, and again, this is where we get into the, the weirdness, that it wasn't just a prophecy, that it was actually a curse from the devil. Ooh. So um, some people believe that it was a hoax trying to lure this poor woman into marriage with Nellie's former husband. So it it kind of went back and And the forth. devil was behind it. And of course the devil was behind yeah. it. Well, who else would be behind it? So um, the area right now is... Was the, the woman, uh, you probably don't know the answer to this. That's okay. The woman who he married, who died after having a child, mm-hmm. was she in this group of seances and stuff or she wasn't in the group of seances she she, nelly had actually called her out and said this is you know again choosing who you believe yeah um nelly came to her and said hey yeah marry this guy yep yeah wow so i i think it's pretty it's pretty cool i think you know kind of from my own experience it's kind of plausible but the prediction that she had made after you know pretty much the day they got married really can't be refuted because she did i mean 10 months to the day so it's um it's one of the stories that i found to be quite intriguing it is. because it, it does have all the spiritualist vibes in it where people were getting messages from their loved ones on the other side through nally and then you have the, her own personal story that's there and now the cellar hole is reported to be haunted and in recent years about the past 10 years um the locals have been really trying to get this story properly out there because for a number of years it was actually told from the wrong town that it was it, that mm. it happened in Machias yeah. but it didn't it actually happened um, here and it's just it's so cool so Why some people believe be so it's so interested in having this marriage happen and the woman yep having a child and dying mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 yeah. so intriguing it really is so um I can't wait to check it out. I, I find it quite intriguing. And to me, it does sound like it might be the first spiritual case because that's what you have going on is, you know, just kind of these sessions with the minister who was facilitating it and then documenting what everybody had said. The child must have had an interesting life. I can, I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, I haven't I haven't seen um, what happened to that child or if there are any further details. But this is a story that I'm going to continue to yeah. work on. And um, I'll I'll definitely this will be a road trip that I'm sure I'll be reporting. It's a great back story because it's, it's so ingrained in the history of the area, and there's mm-hmm. there's so many people involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's not again it's not something happened in a room or as happened in a basement, and, and people are talking about it. There's mm-hmm. a whole town involved here. It's a whole town, and there's a book. Yeah. From 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 the day published by the minister that tells us the story. So, wow. um, fascinating fascinating story. So I just wanted to to bring us in with that and. Um, let me uh, share, uh, and I had gone over this the other day when I done the talk, some of the declaration of the principles of the spiritualists. So um, kind of what it, what it is and what it does. Teaching personal responsibility removes all fear of death, which they believed really is the portal to the spirit world. Teaches death is not the cessation of life, but merely a change of condition that it teaches not that man has a soul, but that man is a soul and has a body. That man is a spiritual being even now while encased in flesh. Mm-hmm. That those who have passed are conscious, not asleep. That as man sows on earth, he reaps in the life to come. 
that communion between the living and the dead is scientifically proved. It brings comfort to the bereaved and alleviates sorrow. Spiritualism is a science, philosophy, and religion of continuous life based upon the demonstrated fact of communication by means of mediumship with those who live in the spirit world. Hmm. It brings to the surface spiritual gifts such as inspiration, clairvoyance, clear audience, and healing powers, which I find very, very interesting. It teaches that the spark of divinity dwells within us all, which you would not have found in colonial New England anywhere. Oh, no, because divinity and people were totally separate. Absolutely. Spiritualism was God's message to mortals, declaring that there is no death, that those who have passed on still live, live, that there is hope in the life beyond, even for the most sinful, that every soul will progress through the ages, height, sublime and glorious, where God is love and love is God. It is a manifestation and demonstration and proof of the continuity of life. And it also demonstrates the many spiritual gifts which mankind has, but through want of knowledge has caused to lay dormant. So I find spiritualism quite interesting and kind of its structure because I actually believe a lot of what's in there. I don't get too deeply into, you know, the the God end of the pool. But as far as... The spiritual gifts, again, you know, we're we're so knowledge-based. We have to prove things all the time. And that sense of that, again, when we go to the other side, that we are still, you know, a thoughtful being. And those are, I I think, those are probably some of the things that would have spoken to me if I was around in the 19th century. Back to the, is it the third one about uh, man man is a soul and a... That is a soul and a body. Not man doesn't have a soul. Man is a soul. Yep. That that man is a soul and has a body. I, so simple yet profound. It seems, it's striking me odd that before that point, people didn't have that concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, well, they they you couldn't. But again, it was a separation of divinity and. It, and it would have humanity. been blasphemy. Yeah. To think that you you that is something you just could not have said, and you know if it was the 17th century that would have been heresy. Yeah. So it it just wasn't allowed, and I think, you know, again it's kind of that that perfect timing, for people to to believe that. I mean they were searching hard, you know, but again particularly with the Civil War, like you know how do I find peace and solace with this, and to know that they're still going on. Is, is really, you know, even if I think people didn't buy the full bill of goods, there are pieces that they bought Yeah, that made yeah. sense to them. But that's such a profound shift in humans' approach to life. Mm-hmm. It's amazingly profound mm-hmm. from, from the Puritan viewpoint. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. So um, it's, just, it, it's just so incredible to see that, you know, from— from I guess the world of working with spirit that I do, that a lot of that just rings true to me over and over again. Um, and when I did my talk in Laconia, it's funny, you know, I try to keep my talk brief and, you know, I have a few more things to share with you. Mm-hmm. But um, just the people afterwards, I took an hour's worth of questions and answers, and it was all on those really deep levels about, you know, is this a sign from my loved one? And is it okay for me to communicate? What is dream work all about when I see people? Yeah. And you could tell, like, 
they they had such a hard time coming out and saying it because you know you could you yeah. could see that they were nervous kind of stepping up to the ledge and coming out with the questions but when they did they just couldn't stop talking about it so it's interesting how this opens up the conversation for a lot of people and you know tries to help them make sense of it even if you're, you're not a spiritualist right and i think that was probably one of my favorite things about that evening is that people were just all talking about you know well are we connected to a higher consciousness is there yeah. you know a way that you know our thoughts are being driven by something else on the other side of the world or somebody had asked me you know is our our higher self connected to places on the planet why is it we go one place and we're more open than another yeah and people were just asking these amazing questions and it was just so great to talk about this strikes me that this strikes me as the turning of the page into an open structure of life because mm-hmm. uh, uh puritanism uh was a very structured rigidly defined existence mm-hmm. right? this is the way it is mm-hmm and then what you're talking about, this spirituality and stuff, has shown itself in a thousand different forms mm-hmm. with a thousand different lexicons, mm-hmm. with a thousand different um, names for things and even sources, whether it be God, whether it be right. your mind, whether it be your heart, whether it be whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But it's the same concepts. It's just mm-hmm. framed in a little bit different way. So it's mm-hmm. kind of an open structure so you can find your own path right. to it, mm-hmm. you know, whatever works for you. Well, and, and, and I think, but the Puritans didn't give you that. The Puritans oh, no. gave you there's God and you're this, and yeah, you know, this is it. the way it is. Yeah, and yeah. that's it. Yeah, and and I think that's probably why you found it again, just to have such a wide appeal because you could you could find the pieces that applied to you and and put them to work for yourself. It's kind of like a song lyric. You can interpret it in a way that fits you and mm-hmm. and says something to you, mm-hmm. right? I completely agree. Find your way to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It gets you thinking, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it, it's funny. I hadn't heard the term. What was and what is the term? A spiritualist. The, the Great Awakening. Oh, the Great Awakening. Hadn't heard the term before today, really? and it's uh, such a profound turning point in who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I the, especially I've, in this country. Well, yeah, and and the first time I had um, seen the term the Great Awakening was in a book called Graven Images which is like the textbook on New England cemeteries. I mean, you know, written college level. Mm-hmm. And it got, it had, you know, all the different phases. And it talked about, of course, you know, just the heavy religion behind it. And then there was, you know, in there about the Great Awakening. And that's where I learned how it synced right up with the spiritualist movement. And um, you, can, you can see it. It's so cool when you walk through, again, you, I guess, you know, my environment's always a cemetery. Yeah. But you see, you know, skull, 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 angel, statue. Yeah. And you can you can just track it by the year, you know, like 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 a chart and yeah. and just see how the beliefs change, how the epitaphs changed on the gravestones. Fear to celebration. Yeah. 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 It's fascinating. Or fear to ex- fear to celebration might be too strong, although not in all cases. Fear to acceptance, fear to opportunity, fear to openness. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, wow. and and I think, you know, it's it's something that even now, like I said when I was doing that talk, people are just a little bit afraid to talk about and to open themselves up to. Yeah. But there's you can see there's that want and that need to do that, and I could see that with so many people that were in the audience that had someone that had passed away, 
and you know they, they just one woman was so convinced that you know it was her husband at a certain time of day even though he had you know been passed for a couple of years that he was creating certain phenomena happening inside her house and you could not convince her otherwise right. but she didn't become a believer until he had passed away and she opened herself up to that so it's um i am just, i just i find it so fascinating um, so I'm curious well, about the role of the Civil War in this and whether it accelerated it or whether it would have happened at all without the Civil War because the nation dealing with death on mm -hmm. such a massive scale mm -hmm. at that time, I mean, mm -hmm. it, the nation had an entirely different relationship with death after the Civil War. Mm -hmm. I, I'm wondering if that's symptom or cause, if the spirituality movement is a symptom or a cause. Well, I mean, at, at but bare, it's interesting how they all how it all comes together. I was going to say, at, at, at bare minimum, one supported the other. Yeah, and and most likely gave a, a lot of people the closure that they wanted, whether it was real or imagined. And of course, that was one of the other um, pitfalls of the spiritualist movement, which I talked about as well. Is you know all the charlatans that had come in, you know the the false mediums, the bad spirit photography, and things like that, because people were so desperate for answers. But um, I, I'm sure it helped a lot of people along the way. Yep. So um, what we'll do is we'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, I want to talk about some more of the movement as it relates to certain people here in New England. And we get some tell us some stories of some people. I will. Who are big in the day? Who are big in the day? Yeah. All right. So you're listening to Wicked Curious. Don't go away. For the best and curious entertainment, you have to check out New England Curiosities, located in the historic city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. New England Curiosities offers tales and tours of folklore, ghosts, and mysterious history with author and historian Roxy Zwicker, New Hampshire's longest-running and original ghost tour. Roxy has been entertaining the locals, visitors from away, and curious souls since 1994. New England Curiosities has been offering tours and special haunted events since 2002. Highly respected and thoroughly entertaining. You'll be talking about your experience for months to come. Discover why New England Curiosities is consistently on top of travel and tourism lists. Yankee Magazine calls the Shadows and Stones Graveyard Tour one of New England's top five cemetery tours. The Boston Globe says an experience with New England Curiosities is one of the three best alternatives to visiting Salem, Massachusetts. From scenic trolley rides to walking tours and speaking engagements, there's something for everyone. So join New England Curiosities and experience why they are consistently featured in the media, including television appearances on the History Channel and the Travel Channel. Check out the latest legendary tours and events from New England Curiosities at NewEnglandCuriosities.com. And be sure to like New England Curiosities on Facebook. Greetings to you, traveler. My name is Roxy Swicker, and you may have heard of me being referred to as Maine's Mystery Maven or even New England's Scary Godmother. Creativity and curiosity are in my blood, always has been and is a way of life. And I really wanna share my creative projects with you. Just under 20 years ago, I began New England Curiosities, a tour and event company based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And it's given me the opportunity to connect with so many people. And for the past 15 years, I've been serving the seacoast of New Hampshire as a metaphysical instructor and reader. Two of the things on my path that I've committed to are helping to empower spiritual seekers and to share stories from and with curious folks. I know that community is powerful and we can create so much together. One of my projects is Wicked Curious Radio, 
a radio show that asks, you are wicked curious, aren't you? And also The Woodland Alchemy, which is a film that brings its viewers to a place of imagination, the unknown, and the mysterious. If you would like to help keep these projects afloat and keep us moving forward, you can check us out on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Roxy's Wicker, you can find all of the magical things that we are doing. You can check out all the different levels of subscription and join us on our journey. So again, it's patreon.com slash Roxy's Wicker, R-O-X-I-E-Z-W-I-C-K-E-R. And we thank you so much for joining our curious journey. Welcome back, Wanderers, to Wicked Curious Radio. This is Roxy Wicker from Nimbleian Curiosities, your main mystery maven uh, here with the Professor Lou Blassie and the empty chair for Ken, who is not here right now. <laughs> fast asleep, dreaming of ghosts. So, I wanted to. This is my favorite episode so far. Really? Yeah, and that's a tall comment because I've a... enjoyed a lot of these shows. But... I mean, we're—I mean, we've been doing this for a year and a half, yeah. you and I. So that's wow. It's kind of high open concept conversation that I like. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad. I'm going to tell you about um, a, a couple of the women who are very deeply involved in the spiritualist movement, and I found out. All about... women. I'm sorry. All women. Yes. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, this first woman that I had found out about, Nellie Titus, um, it's terrible. I'll just sit and I'll just scan newspaper articles, like, you know, <laughs> the old Boston Post. And in 1905, I kept finding headlines with her name in it. Yep. And a lot of it is because she was actually helping um, the local authorities try and solve cases. So um, she was from uh, Plainfield, New Hampshire. She was actually buried and married in New Hampshire. Nobody knew her story. And she was like a stone's throw from Laconia when we were there the other day. Um, 1863 to 1954, uh, she was a seamstress. And then she became a very well-known clairvoyant. One of the amazing things about Nellie that I find myself very much connected to is not just her, you know, her intuitive nature, but how ill she actually became after talking about her mediumship work. She would actually do work on a case and then be laid up for like two weeks because the energy oh, was taking her. from her. She was actually becoming physically ill from the work that she was doing. It's like Stranger Things, her nose started bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Um, she assisted in several pretty famous cases, but again, I'm always surprised that nobody knows uh, mm -hmm. who Nellie was. Um, she it helped out in the um, Baby Braley murder um, in New Hampshire, where she actually helped them find the bones of the baby that was buried beneath a barn and was actually killed by one of the family members. And they had said that it was the farmhand and that it was this person and that person, but she was able to actually yeah. help them crack the case open. Um, actress Mabel Page in Boston, she had a lot to say about her murder and who had actually murdered her, um, was believed to be her suitor or her boyfriend back in the day. She said that she had seen um, in a vision that there was some buried treasure in New Hampshire, gave the exact location, and they went digging for years and years, never found it, but she seemed to know and had the certainty even when she died yeah. um, that someday it would be found. Um, um, probably the most famous case that she had worked on actually came from Mascoma Lake. And um, the strange thing is about her, 
she never asked for money. She wasn't looking for no notoriety. She would just be brought in to help with the case. And um, the the clip that I had found here was from the the Los Angeles Herald, um, December sixteenth, nineteen oh seven. Now keep in mind, here's a woman in New Hampshire, and she's making news on the West Coast. Um, so the story was about Miss uh, Bertha Hughes. She was drowned in the deep black waters of Lake Masconoma at Enfield, New Hampshire, where her home was. Mm -hmm. A diver and over 150 townspeople vainly searched for her body for three days. Then Nellie Titus said that she had seen this woman's body lying in 18 feet of water and that she was underneath um, some branches and some chunks of wood and nobody wanted to go and check because you know we've already done this for three days. We sent yeah. another fifty people. She's not there. However, um, they decided that you know, all right, this is our last chance. She was so adamant about this is where she is. Yep. They went in and they found the exact same wood to the specifications that she had spoken yeah. of, and they were able to pull her out. So um, Professor William James, who said for more than 20 years was chief of the Department of Philosophy at Harvard University, investigated the case and actually commented on it and wrote about it for the American Society of Psychical Research. And he said, my own view of the Titus case is that it is a decidedly solid document in favor of the admission of supernormal faculty of seership whatever preciser meaning may come can be attached to such phrase mm -hmm. so he totally bought that she had nothing to do yeah. with the case of this missing person but was able to find them simply through her mediumship yeah. work and again come to find out the next two weeks after that she was completely ill bedridden and had to essentially you know move that energy off her and it's funny you know again you know we're talking about 1800s, 1900s. Is that what it was? It was the oppression of the bad energy, or mm -hmm. was it a, a drain? Well, she she said that um, it it made her so ill when she had these visions that it took her weeks to recover from it, yeah. um, and that the that the energy that it took from her empath, to do this work. Right? She's working as an empath. Yeah. Yeah. Before we even use the word empath. Yeah. Right. So um, I I found. All of her, her stories to be quite amazing. There was always a uh, fantastical drawing of her in the newspaper by the sight of, you know, some crime or, or some suspected wrongdoing that she was trying to figure out. So she's known, she's known coast to coast. She, she was known coast Did to coast. Did the case of an actress in, in Boston mm -hmm. from New Hampshire. Yep. Lived into the mid-century or mid-20th yeah, century. The, right? Yep, into the 1950s. And, but forgotten. Nobody knows. Nobody knows her. At all. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I found it amazing that she just kind of slipped through the cracks, as it were. Um, another thing that I had uh, talked about when I was doing the presentation in Laconia in um, Exeter, New Hampshire, which Exeter, you know, is, isn't just UFOs. They have ghost stories and lots of other <laughs> things there, too. Yeah. Um, the beautiful... It's a nice town. UFOs aside, it's a nice town. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, if you were on a UFO, you're going to pick a nice New Hampshire town. You're going to pick Exeter. Yeah, it's right. great. Ports is too busy. They're all drinking, and, you know, they got the brothels over there. Park in the gazebo, quiet. and you're good to go. There you go. Yeah. Right, exactly. Right in the center of town. Um, so there's the Folsom Tavern in Exeter. It's a beautiful tavern from 1775. It's got a, a lot of Revolutionary War history, but... Um, the retired druggist and spiritualist leader, Dr. George Washington Dearborn, bought the tavern in 1856, and they had spiritualist meetings there for about 20 years. 
at the tavern and he would bring mediums in and they would do mediumship right there in downtown Exeter. Yeah, that was on the town. schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. And the tavern is, of course, now said to be haunted, shocked as, as I'm sure <laughs> most people are. But um, the woman that I was very surprised that people really don't know about as far as half of her life story, um, her name is Harriet Wilson. And they just put up a statue to her in Milford, New Hampshire. It's a beautiful life-size memorial statue. is a child standing next to her. But while people know that she was the first African woman to actually publish a novel, people tend to miss that she was one of the leading spiritualists in the Northeast back in her day. And um, I found it quite fascinating because she was, you know, in the story she was called Collar Woman. She's a black woman. Mm -hmm. And she came from such a hard background with, you know, little to nothing to go on to make a start of her life. And then she became such a huge leader in the spiritualist community. Um, it belie- it was kind of the belief that she grew up on a poor farm, went from, you know, tough situation till finally she was working at a cotton mill in Manchester and started to hear rumblings of spiritualism at the time. So she ended up meeting um, two women, Eleanor... Um, Betsy Kame is her name, Ellen Booth and Sarah Mixer, who were trace readers and clairvoyant physicians. So a clairvoyant physician would have been someone, you know, who would have been able to tell you what was wrong with your body through mediumship. And trace mediums would be able to tell you what happened at a location by reading the spot. So, of course, they met Harriet, and next thing you know, she was fascinated by all of the spiritualist teachings, and she ended up moving to Boston, and she was described as the eloquent and earnest colored trance medium, and she opened up shop. I mean, here, you know, here we have a woman who was starting to make her life from very humble beginnings. And as she started moving forward with her career, she got into a lot of professional organizations, um, including uh, one with a a man named Andrew Jackson Davis, who is one of the leads of spiritualist movement at the time, Mm -hmm. um, at the turn of the 20th century. And interestingly enough, when she talked about spiritualism, she was actually talking about labor reform as well and the education and assistance that could be provided for children. So she was able to not only get people in to talk about spiritualism, but to talk about kind of hot topics of the day and really capture an audience of three to 4,000 people that she would bring in to hear her speak and to watch her work. So I always found so she that she got her foot in the door and then used it to open use it up as a platform world for yeah mm-hmm, because yeah. people were, were willing to hear sure. what she said she had said that she had been brought into acquaintance with her father in the spirit life who was her constant companion she said you will know that the spirit world is not afar she says it's not in space but it's here in our midst and spirits are not bodiless beings but they are with us in our homes so she traveled all throughout boston new york and she organized spiritualist gatherings and then found people to lead those gatherings mm-hmm. so she could go on and continue to form these organizations what time frame is this uh, she passed away in um, 1900, and she was born in 1825. Mm-hmm. And she's actually um, buried at uh, a cemetery in Quincy. It's the Mount Wollaston Cemetery. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like I said, she was the, the first public black, black published black novelist. Wow. But yeah. 
she's got this beautiful monument to her, but nobody knows that she was a leading spiritualist back in her day. And again, just considering the odds that she was up against, and she ended up having the platform to speak about issues that, first of all, women had no right to talk yeah. about at that time, according to you know modern society. And think day. of the status she had. And the doors that were open for her, which mm-hmm. highly unusual mm-hmm. for a woman, in, you know, a colored woman, a black woman in her time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and she she made the most of her life. Yeah. And I just I, I again I mentioned this you know this beautiful statue of her which was you know not too far from us, and nobody had even heard of her. Yeah. And I spoke to the librarian and said you know it'd be great for you to to get her book in here and you know a little bit more about her story yeah. and whether you want to approach her as you know as being an activist or being a novelist or being a spiritualist. She's a prominent African-American, African-American woman mm-hmm. during the Civil War. Mm-hmm. She's in her prime during the Civil War. Absolutely. Yeah. And and she was out there doing her thing. She is someone that I, I would have run over Hill and Dale yeah. to go and see her talk and to watch her work. And um, again, I just, I think it's, you know, one of those stories, you know, yeah. like so many of them that just fall to the wayside. You, you drive by this monument and you have no idea who that woman is right. and, and what she did. And, you know, we're, we're often, you know, of course, there's so many people to, to celebrate the history of here in New England, but look at the work this woman was doing. Right. You know, and, and, and not it, that it's bad, but being attached is the first uh, African-American novelist african-american woman novelist so mm-hmm. yeah african-american wo- that being attached to her i mean it's, it's a thing it's an accomplishment mm-hmm. but it's so minor compared to you know what else she mm-hmm. what else she represented during her time period exactly yeah i mean amazing yep so i i just you know i had to bring the story of you know both of these women out so people would understand you know you don't you don't have to go far to no. find these folks in your community. They were, you know, having the spiritualist meetings right in the center of so many New England towns. And there are people like her going from place to place, telling people how to do it and how to connect and what it is that they needed to do. And she was very open about the spirits that were guiding her to do her work. You know, again, 100 years previous, that never would have happened. Right. Certainly a woman uh, of her, you know, of her rough upcoming. And apparently and, 100 and years hence, too. I mean, yeah. the that these women were so impactful in the time, and it's just totally faded away. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, in her case, she's got the statue about the novel, but you just missed the whole point of it. Exactly. Yeah. It's, these are stories that need to be told. And and when I finished my talk, I, I, was, I told everybody, I'm like— you need to go and see these things yeah. and and find out who these people were and you know and for those of you you know i had said that are having a i guess a an awakening i guess of their own where they're starting to believe yeah. consider the teachings of these people who were very well respected in their field and had gone out and connected so many people to their folks and um i don't know i don't know if it's because they were women and they were strong, and I admire that in them, um, that yeah. they dealt with spirits. I mean, you know, even Nellie Butler, you know, all of these people were out there and they drew a crowd and they were able to be effective. I'm trying to think of even a comp, an African American who, at the time in society during the Civil War, leading up to the Civil War and through the Civil War, had the ear of society, could walk in mm-hmm. places, and yeah, it's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't even think of a person. I, I'm sure they're out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I probably yeah. should know the names, but I, I'm I'm sure they are too. But it, you know, it was again. It was just kind of funny because I'm looking at 
these different stories of people and then I go back and they just they open right up and I'm like why haven't I seen these anywhere so it's I hate to say it, but it always makes me stop and think I'm like somebody needs to write a book not saying <laughs> I'm like somebody needs to to get these stories it's to get that phrase out of you yeah I, it's awful um to 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 preserve you know the legacy and and the history of these people and and the impact that they had made so um, I don't know. It was it was a fascinating talk, and I really um, enjoyed the research and and trying to pull some of that up. And it definitely definitely got people talking that night. And, and we're, t- we're talking now about this. Uh, and you and I talked about mm-hmm. it during the break. We're talking about this uh, current wave of mindfulness and awakening, and mm-hmm. you know we're all looking at it as a uh, as a turning point. Right. And it's true, but we're ignoring the point before that you know what right. what led up to it and, well and everybody you know and 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 not that it's wrong you know it's the age of aquarius it's you know people are you know enlightening yeah. and we're all progressing kind of did it in the it, early 60s too yeah <laughs> yeah and it and it's it's already begun it's already in our roots it's already all around us and um again it's just it, I think that's what just calls me so much to continue to do the work that I do is to to open these dusty chapters and say, look, look, read here, like who was here before us yeah. doing this work. And um, the spiritualists are still they're still out there um, doing their things. There's a spiritualist church in Derry, New Hampshire, that meets on a regular occasion. There's camps um, up in Maine. There's one on Lake Sunapee. And people would just sit around in the little cottages or under the tents, and they would share these stories. Yeah. And I, I just, in my own sense of things, I always find that very appealing, that people are you know, sh- sitting and sharing stories, much like, much like we do. Yeah. And um, talking about ghosts and spirits. You must also find it, fascinating from what you do because dealing with the spirit world and uh it's already a gray line Mm -hmm. between the spirit world and the history world but uh these women that you just talked about are here Mm -hmm. and we don't know the names we don't know the specific stories but Mm -hmm. their effect lingers on and and this you know they're being heard in yoga classes now right you know it's a it's a different form it's a different Mm -hmm. thing it started here it did you know these are the pioneers of it Mm mm-hmm and so, you know, they're gone, they're forgotten in a way, but the what they represented, what they were into has lived on. Like I said, you know, go into any yoga studio and you're hearing this stuff. It's right? true. Yeah. It's true. But, you know, again, we we lose sight of where it's from. And, you know, yeah, we think it's new. We think we found it. We, yeah, we just oh, found it's, yep, it's, we're, yeah. We're, the, we're that enlightened. We've got yeah. it now. But, you know, a, a hundred years ago when they were doing their work. And like I said, you can go and you can see the statue. It's a beautiful statue of her. Um, it's it's just lovely. But I, I wish it told more of her story. So, you know, that's something you have to you have to dig out. And, and these are the stories that are worth telling. The statue is a very limited palette. It is. Yeah. It is. And But um, it's funny. I come from I come from Haverhill. Mm-hmm. And every Haverhill kid grows up with the story of Hannah Dustin. Of course. And th- there's a statue, of course. But everyone gets a little bit more of the story this is a story that every kid at least in the town should get a little bit more of mm-hmm. you know I agree. or in the area should get a little bit more of mm-hmm. yeah. well and and that's why i'm i'm out here doing what i'm doing so when i got a chance to, to talk on spiritualism I'm like okay what's the what's the best way to do it this talk have, about the tools talk about the people yeah. talk about the places it must have taken you an hour to get out of that building I'm oh. sure everybody wanted to. Oh, it did. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. they, the library had closed, and they had yeah. to send us all out the back door, so the alarms didn't go off. And um, 
should I tell should I tell you my weird experience? Yes. It just it was so um so my daughter had come with me to this talk and um she she's been on the tours and everything. Talks are a little bit different, as I've mentioned. Yep. And she comes on the talk and of course everybody's talking about, you know, spirits and everything. And um I had mentioned I said, Oh well, you know, if you want to connect with spirit, you have to notice synchronicities, have that awareness, have that openness. And you know, sometimes it's just that red cardinal that keeps showing up in your mm-hmm. yard. Yeah. And a woman from the audience gets up and she starts walking up to the podium in front of everybody towards me. And my daughter was freaking out. She's like, why is she walking up to my mom? Like, could she just raise her hand and yeah. talk to her? And she said, she says, well, I just want to tell you, she says, I never met my grandmother. She said, and I have her tea maker. She says, and I carry it with me all the time. And I said, oh, well, I said, you know, you should make her a cup of tea and make you a cup of tea as well. Mm-hmm. I says, and just sit there and think about her. Oh, and, one of those little you know, strainer ki- things? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, little yeah. tea ball. Yep. And um, I said, you know, just kind of drink to her and just connect yourself with that energy. And she's like, well, you said the red cardinal. She says, and I had to come up here. She says, because something told me this morning to bring this. And she gave me a keychain, and it had a red cardinal on it, and it said, I am always with you. Wow. 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 So she's getting she's leaving in the morning to see you to see this event. Uh, something tells me I got to take this. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep, she was in the yeah. elevator with me when we um were going into the library and she like ran past me. She didn't know it was me. Yeah. And um she came up and she was crying and she's like, "Oh my god, I knew I had to be here." And it's just lots of moments like that happen. Um it's the song one lyric. Point or another. It's a song lyric thing. All this stuff is out there. Yeah. How you see it, how you connect it, what it means to you. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to work on. But there's just so much noise. There is. Yeah. And the noise is keeping you from making these connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So synchronicity we, is interesting. Yeah. It's it's very yeah. it, it's very interesting. So um, you just you never know. So um. When, when I drove home that night, it was pouring rain uh, from Laconia. It took me like two hours, and I was just thinking about all the people that I had just talked to. And I'm like, I guess kind of in Talk my own way. Them, I'm. You just blew their minds, I, <laughs> probably most of them. Well, I, in, in a way, I was thinking to myself, God, I hope I'm keeping, you know, the tradition of these these women that I just talked about alive and, and you know, trying to help them do their work. Well, again, this whole um, grayer of the spirit world and what is spirit and what is I. These women are in the room, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And on some spiritual level, they were in the room. That's what I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not I know not everybody's got to understand that, but that's always how I feel. Well, certainly, at least metaphorically, if not, if not, literally. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were there. They were brought alive again. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. That's that's the work. Very nice. So um, we will be back, of course, next week on Wicked Curious. We wish everybody an awesome yeah, Halloween. Good luck topping this one. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, who knows what we're going to talk about next week. Um, probably some adventures from this week's investigation. But mm-hmm. you can always find us at knowingcuriosities.com. Um, if you're listening to us on Buzzsprout or iTunes, make sure to hit the subscribe button. And as always, we advise you to stay Wicked Curious. Mm-hmm.